before I start, I just want to, let's just take a second, let's just pray for Steve. He's just been in my heart this morning and want him to feel better and be back here singing songs with us. I know that's what his heart is, so let's just take a moment before we start and let's pray. God, we are thankful that we can come here together as your body and we can pray for those in need. And so we pray for Steve this morning, you'd be with him, that you'd comfort him and uh, bring quick recovery, that he would be home and back with us soon. And so we pray you'd put a hand of blessing upon him today in peace and comfort and be with him where he is. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm going to try this clicker out. I'm not a fan of clickers, unless it's mine upstairs, so I'm going to turn it over to the guys in the back. You guys are my slide guys. Now, this might be something a little unusual today, um, and I was telling my sense class, I hope I get to preach again, um, because I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning that typically isn't done as we approach Christmas. I'm going to dismantle some Christmas tradition this morning, so please forgive me. Bear with me, I really have purpose in it, okay? This morning, we're going to look at a significant event in the Christmas story, and I want you to know that I am absolutely set on making sure you know the truth within the tradition, okay? Now, this might turn a few things upside down for you, but I promise there's reason for it. I truly believe that you're going to come to understand this morning some truth maybe you never realized was buried in our traditions. So of all the parts of the Christmas story, the most important part is the birth of Jesus, right? We've all heard of how Jesus was born at Christmas. I've always myself been a bit confused, though, as whether Jesus was born on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Has anybody else ever shared that confusion? When I was growing up, Younger, we would have a Christmas Eve service, which we still do, but we would go to this Christmas Eve service and choirs and manger scenes were there, and I always thought that Jesus was born on Christmas Eve. That's when we were celebrating. But then we have Christmas Day. I think, well, maybe this is the day Jesus was born and not Christmas Eve. See, I grew up, I was confused about that. But as I got older, I learned an important skill. I learned how to reason a little bit. So I reasoned that Jesus was, must have been born after midnight on Christmas Eve. You know, it would still then fit right into the night manger birth that we always see, right? Nighttime, the one I've always pictured on Christmas Eve, but still technically be born on Christmas Day. You have to do lots of mental gymnastics to get there, but you can try to make it both work, right? But despite all of this, I was actually wrong on both fronts. Biblical scholars agree Jesus was neither born on Christmas Eve, December 24th, or on Christmas Day, December 25th. So why in the world do we celebrate on these days? Today we're going to answer that question. Now first off, we have to understand a couple things. We need to understand where we get our calendar from. Do you realize our calendar is of Roman origin? It comes from ancient Rome. It began with the emperors. And through various alterations, it was modernized by the Roman Catholic Church in the 1500s. Our founders, of course, coming from Europe, used the Roman Church's calendar and they passed it down to us as they went from Europe to America. Hence, how you have your calendar today. But you see, December 25th was an important date in the ancient Roman world. If you trace the origin of this day back to ancient Rome, you actually find at its core it was the worship of another god other than Jesus on December 25th. It was the worship of the sun god. 
A Roman festival was held between the dates of December 17th and December 23rd every year. It was a celebration called the Festival of Saturnalia. As you can guess, they worshipped the Roman god Saturn. And they would call December 25th this, Dies Natalia Solius Invicti, which means birthday of the unconquered sun. The originally took place also on a Sunday, hence why we call today Sunday. So did you learn something this morning? Okay, good. Now, many pagan religions actually celebrated the birth of the sun god on December 25th because they saw the days getting shorter as December began. And being a society that held that the planets and the stars, the sun and the moon were actual deities, they feared the sun god had died. But on December 25th, they noticed something. The days were starting to get a little bit longer. And therefore, it was meant for a celebration. And so therefore, they celebrated Dies Natalia Solius Invicti, which means birthday of the unconquered sun. Now, many years later, as Christianity spread, it found itself in Rome and it was embraced by an emperor named Constantine. Being the first Christian emperor of Rome, he would change the pagan worship of a sun god and instead started the tradition we know today as celebrating the birth of Jesus on Christmas Day. Now, did you all know all that? Okay, well, hopefully you got something this morning. But truthfully speaking, this is all covered in Roman tradition. And it's established by the word of a human emperor in the attempt to relabel pagan beliefs. And therefore, we encounter another important question. If this wasn't the actual birthday of Jesus, when was it? You know, there's been speculation for centuries on the date Jesus was born. You know, there's actually no verse in the Bible that gives a specific date. Scholars have wondered about this momentous event and when it actually took place. However, there are a few interesting things in the Bible that might give us some insight. But let me start with a little bit of context first. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. Here's what it says. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Now, do you notice what God intended with the stars and the moon and the sun based on this verse? Verse 14 is clear that God desired them to be for seasons, but something else. Signs. It's interesting that we find one of those directly related to the Christmas story, don't we? In fact, the Magi from the east did what? They followed a star, a light in the expanse of the heavens that was unlike anything else. They believed it was a sign that a new king had been born in Israel. Now I want you to look at this with this in mind. Revelation chapter 12, from the beginning of the Bible to the end of it. This is what it says in verse 1, And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. Now, we know that what John was seeing was the story of the coming Messiah. However, some actually believe that John's vision was something he was actually seeing in the sky through his vision. It was the signs that God stated in Genesis 1. And what's amazing 
is if you take the description described by John in chapter 12 of Revelation and you put it into modern astronomy software where you can look at any time in history and what the sky looked like, you can see those signs would have been in the sky via constellations and stars only for one 90-minute period. And it happens to fall at the exact time frame fitting the birth of Jesus. There is a day in ancient history that the constellation Virgo, also called the Virgin, comes over the horizon with the sun appearing at her waist as she's expecting and the moon at her feet. And below her was the constellation Scorpio, which was originally known as the dragon. Now, let's look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 3. This is also what John saw. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. In the early morning hours of one day in ancient history, you can actually see all of this in the sky. If John is in fact seeing all this in the sky as a sign in his vision, the date of Jesus' birth based on John's vision can be pinpointed to a 90-minute period in the early morning hours of September 11, 3 B.C. Now, September 11, 3 B.C. also happens to be a date when you would see Jupiter, known as the king planet, and the king star Regulus overlap, creating what appears to be the brightest star you've ever seen in the sky. This is all taking place in the constellation Leo, the lion. Leo the lion represented the tribe of Judah and the Jews. Now here's Genesis 49.10. This is what it says. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nation shall be his. And also in Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Now, I would suggest to you that the Magi knew the Old Testament. That they watched the sky and they knew right where to find Jesus. On September 11, 3 BC, it was all there in the sky. But there's something else. You see, just like December 25th carried religious weight within the Roman society, September 11, 3 B.C. carried religious weight within the Hebrew society. On the Jewish calendar, September 11, 3 B.C. was the first of Tishri. They had a different calendar. Tishri 1 was the day they inaugurated the new king. It was also believed to be the birthday of Noah, the man whose lineage and boat would save the human race from extermination. So why does September 11, 3 B.C. matter? Because it's not by coincidence. Jesus was unmistakably, universally declared to be the king. Now, that changes what we think about Christmas just a little bit. You see, I would suggest to you this morning, the truth always gives us more than tradition. Man-made traditions and beliefs have a tendency to slip in everywhere. And we have a hard time letting them go. One of the reasons we struggle is because we start to accept these traditions as factual truths. And many times when we encounter something new that makes us question what we've always accepted, we just reject it. It's interesting how this works. You know, we cloud the truth with tradition and common knowledge. 
When Jesus came to earth, he flipped what had become Jewish tradition and common knowledge on its head. He sought to bring actual truth into those areas that were always just accepted and taught by the religious. He was intent on getting to something deeper than common knowledge and tradition. He is all about the truth. So, what do we do with December 25th and December 24th now? Well, Paul actually tells us. Romans chapter 14, verse 5. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Now, let me be very clear. There is nothing wrong with celebrating the birth of Christ when we do. Okay, so Don't get me wrong. Christmas is something we should be celebrating. It's a time when the event of Christ's coming and the tradition of our culture collide. And it brings about the opportunity for the King's Inauguration Day every year. Inauguration Day, I would suggest, in many hearts, maybe for the first time. This morning, as I've kind of talked about one of our Christmas traditions that we've typically accepted as just the fact, I want you to just consider three things that I think it really reveals to us. Number one, we should all know the truth about Christmas and why we believe what we do. A couple years ago, the Pew Research Center released some interesting numbers about Christmas in America. You know, they found that 95% of people in America celebrate Christmas. Does anybody in here not celebrate Christmas? So we'll just pick you out right in the crowd. Who, maybe I should say, who celebrates Christmas in here? Raise your hand. Okay, everybody does. Okay, 95% of people celebrate Christmas in America. However, the research found that only 46 of them actually consider it a religious holiday. The rest identify it as simply a cultural event or a cultural tradition. Only 37% of the people polled thought it was acceptable to put up a religious symbol associated with Christ at Christmas. Do people even know the truth about Christmas anymore? Is it possible we have neighbors and people around us that have never really considered what they're actually celebrating? That means that we have an opportunity. This year, we might be the ones who can be instruments that God uses to illuminate the eyes and hearts of some that may have gone dark. Maybe like so many, they've buried the truth about Christmas under man-made stuff. In 2014, 65% of Americans believed that the religious stories associated with Christmas had actual historical roots. A few years later, that was down to 57%. The further research noted that one in five Americans don't believe the events of Christmas ever actually happened. One in five. People are doubting the truth of Christmas. Along with the regular assaults on truth, Christmas has been in the crosshairs for a while. And as secular beliefs take society, almost half of the people in this country doubt the events outlined in the Bible are actually true. Do you see why it's important that we know the actual truth about Christmas? Do you see why getting to the heart of this holiday is so important? Because if we don't know the truth about it, how are we going to share it with others? Which leads to my next point. 
we should pursue becoming truth experts. See, when we seek information about something, we typically go to places we can trust. We evaluate, make judgments of a source's credibility. We look at its past, and maybe it's even in current state. We like our information sources to be supported, knowledgeable, and most of all, accurate. We want evidence and confirmation that we aren't being led astray. Real experts are those who have studied, evaluated the truth and the evidence, and they know the truth and the evidence. We should be such a people when it comes to the Word. The world is a lot of people in really rough seas looking for life vests and anything else they can grab a hold of that appears solid. They need the truth. And we have been given the most important truth in human history. The absolute truth about who we are, what God desires from us, and what it means to be saved. We should know it, and we should know it well. And when you're sick, you go to the doctor for diagnosis and treatment because you believe they are the expert. When your car breaks down, you don't know what's wrong, you go to the mechanic for a repair because you believe they are the expert. So who do lost souls go to when life falls apart? Who do people go for the actual truth? Now, most people look back at me and say, well, a pastor. I would say the Christian. Become the expert. That's what we should work toward in regard to the truth of God. Being a people of God's Word means knowing where truth ends and tradition begins. It's knowing what God said and what man said. We should be experts on the truth. And finally, we should celebrate with a pure heart and the right motives. Now, over the course of the next several weeks, we don't have that many, amazingly enough. We will be shopping for family members, putting up trees. Anybody already have their tree up? My wife made me put our tree up yesterday. I was kind of the, the Scrooge, right? I didn't want to put it up yet. we got all kinds of wonderful things that are coming with Christmas, right? We'll be busy going to and fro to celebrate what's become a yearly holiday celebration and tradition. Yet I would suggest to you that the truth about our celebration of this Christmas tradition is simply that Jesus wants our hearts more than our traditions this year, this holiday season. He wants you to operate through his through this whole celebration time with a pure heart. If you're looking to host his birthday party this year, he wants you to want to do it. Matthew 5:8 says, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And 1 Timothy 1.5 says, The goal of this command is love which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So are you doing Christmas this year with a pure heart or out of the devotion to uphold tradition? Are you hosting with a pure heart or is it because it's expected? Are you shopping for loved ones with a pure heart or because that's just what we do in America for Christmas. What condition is your heart in as you prepare and move toward Christmas this year? We've set these days, the 24th and the 25th, and many others, aside for celebration in a special way. Just as Paul spoke in our verses from earlier, let me remind you, though, Romans 14, 6. 
Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. These days are for remembrance, self-evaluation, restoration, and the sharing of God's greatest gift with those around us. Many, it appears, have never been told or may have forgotten. Actual Christmas may not be on the 24th or 25th, but the call of God remains. A new king has been born, and it's his day. We should proclaim him boldly when we say things and when we do things this year. As I was shoveling my walk this last week, I was thinking about how it's never when we are forced to do something for someone that changes their heart. It's when we sacrificially do things from them, for them from a pure intentioned heart that changes them. It's when we love them as God instructed us to and showed us how. Romans 2.4 says this, Or do you, not, do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? It's not out of God's obligation He came to earth. It wasn't lack, He wasn't lacking anything in His nature or His character or His being with us being lost. But His heart is for us and He wants to be with us. That required saving. The sacrificial act of God should pull your heart toward Him. God promised to give us an amazing gift when He came. When, he, when we take the step and we ask Him to be the Lord of our lives, He tells us prophetically spoken through the prophet Ezekiel. He says this in Ezekiel 36.26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Tradition wrapped in the pure heart driven by love can lead to a wonderful celebration time. But we must always subject tradition to what God desires. We must always know when tradition is getting to be greater than God. This morning as you walk in the truth of this time of year, I really hope that you find yourselves operating with a pure heart, myself included in that. Knowing what you're celebrating, why you're celebrating, and intending to do it with the right motives and the right mindset. Not one of obligations to human traditions, subject to our cultural expectations and routines, but one out of desire for those around you to be loved and encouraged in the truth and the kindness of God. Now remember, it's genuine kindness and love that changes hearts, not traditions and obligations. This month, as you prepare meals, as you host guests, as you shop for loved ones, I would encourage you to do it this way. Romans 14.6 Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. And Colossians 3.23 Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for man. This is a special time. And just like we questioned this morning what we've always done, we've kind of looked at this tradition as we've done it, I'd encourage us to do that within our individual hearts this morning as well. Have you covered the declaration of the king in your life with tradition and obligation? You know the truth now. God offers you a pure heart, a new heart. Accept the gift. Walk in the spirit of truth and love this year. I hope this morning you've at least got something to think about.
So let's pray. God, we are thankful that you've come, died for us on the cross, restored us into your family by faith. And so, Lord, we just come before you today and we give our Christmas season to you. We want to honor you with it and everything we say and do. And so, Lord, we pray that you would just keep that in our mind and our hearts, that you would inspire us to reach those around us with the truth of Christmas. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a time of communion this morning. Um, I was telling my Sunday school class, communion is an important thing because to the first century Jew, it was actually a declaration of loyalty and a pledge of commitment to whose side you're on. Only the people on the side of Yahweh got to take communion, participate in his feast. And so this morning, that's the only requirement. As long as you're saved, as long as you have a relationship with Christ, you're welcome to take with us. So mom and dads, you know your kids. You know where they're at. They've come to faith in Christ. They're welcome to participate as well. So let's take a moment and bless the bread. God, we thank you for the bread. We thank you for what it means to us to take it. The remembrance, the commitment, the declaration that we identify with your body broken for us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would bless it as we pass it, as we share it, as we partake from your body broken for our sin, restoring us to you. And so we thank you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.